Welcome once again to another episode of Demand Gen Radio, the one program that brings you all the latest methods and technologies for driving growth and increasing demand. With the voice of Demand Gen, David Lewis. All right, welcome back to another episode of Demand Gen Radio. This is a super exciting episode. It is a milestone in our journey with Demand Gen Radio. Only several years ago that we started the program, and this is the 200th episode. Thank you guys for joining me. And I am joined by Rob Bonham, who is our VP of Sales. Rob, welcome back to Demand Gen Radio. Thanks for having me back, Dave. Seems like it was uh, a while ago. It, it was a while ago. We've had a very busy year. Rob and I have been, I would say, bad at our regular check-ins. I know you guys enjoy these episodes, and hopefully today delivers on those expectations. Before we dive into the things that we want to talk about, Rob Bonham, every time he comes on Demand Gen Radio, I'd like to have a walk-up song for Rob. And this, you know, Rob, you know I like the pop music. You know that's... That's yeah. my thing. I like the pop and dance. So I picked something out for you because it's showtime, my friend. You ready? Bring it. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Rob Bonham, put your hands together. Pop, pop, it's showtime. Showtime. It is showtime. Oh, yeah. We have walked in, Rob, once again to Demand Gen Radio. Uh, Rob, you joined the company a little over three years ago, coming up on four years then in 2021. And Rob's been really instrumental in our growth and success. I know a lot of you know Rob. Uh, if you're a client of Demand Gen, you have talked to him and his team. And today, what we thought that we would talk with you guys about and share is some of the observations, the key observations in our conversations with you this year, bringing you guys into the Demand Gen family, what was on your mind, what some of your challenges were, and uh, how we're helping you with that. And and the reason for focusing on that is as we end 2020, or now as you guys are listening to this, the beginning of 2021, wouldn't it be helpful for you to hear what your colleagues and your peers are doing and focusing on in other organizations? So that is going to be the main focus of the podcast today. But we also want to talk about some of the things that we've done internally here, how demand gen does demand gen. Oh, Rob, you know what we're saying? Like, this is how we do it. I just have too much fun in my office. It's yeah, well, not the those, best job in the world. For those of you that don't know Dave's uh, sordid past, he was a DJ, is a DJ. And, uh, you know, this is a nod to uh, to that. It's a nod to that. So request lines are open. Drop a comment. If you're watching this on the YouTube channel, by the way, some of you guys are listening to this on your favorite streaming application, which is great. Uh, some of you are now watching this on YouTube because we have demandgen.tv. We've been uploading many of the podcasts that we do where I have my guests on video there. So join us there. If you haven't, drop a like, click subscribe, and put request lines are open for the next music with Rob and I. All right. Let's start off with an accolade to you. Uh, can we, I don't know, let's see, is it in the back? You can't see it on video, uh, but in the left corner over Rob's right shoulder is a big, huge bell, and he rings that bell every single time. So Rob, I'd almost want you to get up, but... I've heard the bell. You crushed your number this year. You exceeded goal, which, you know, let's be a little braggadocious about that because every go-to-market team deserves the accolades, especially in a year like 2020, where we had some enormous challenges in the world. 
we felt that in Q2, in the beginning of Q2. We started the year very strong, uh, hit your goal in Q1, and then this little thing called a pandemic hit. What did it feel like as a sales leader when you started talking to prospects and they said, my budget's, uh, I think my budget's frozen for right now. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to need to defer these conversations for a few weeks until I get a sense of what's going on. Take us back in time to what it was like as a sales leader and how you kept your team uh, confident, yourself confident, and how'd you get through it? Yeah, I, I, there was, um, you know, it was a week to week thing there in the beginning. Um, I know you remember the dates, mid-February towards the end of February, when um, at least out here in California, we started to shut down and we saw, saw that start to trickle across the United States with our, our clients and our prospects. Um, initially, I thought that, um, you know, people were pulling back because, you know, they were starting to transition from an in-office environment to a home office. And, and so, you know, we weren't reaching out and doing a lot of, uh, of talking with prospects during that period of time. So it was just too chaotic. Um, so we did spend a kind of pivot and spend much more time with our existing clients at that, at that point and help them start thinking through, you know, what are they going to need to do? And I think from our clients point of view, they went through a couple of different phases. The first one was, you know, okay, we're transitioning from physical locations, the office to, to an in-home environment. Then it was, oh, well, this is gonna, only going to last for a few weeks and we'll be back. And then the reality set in probably in April that this was not going to be over anytime soon and that they needed to start looking at how do they retain the business that they already have. So to my point about pivoting, um, you know, we saw a lot of our clients say, we're not going to put our money, uh, we're not going to spend money, first of all. And secondly, we're going to take the money that we have and we've got allotted and start to worry about how do we retain the customers that we have. So we spent a lot of our time over that first initial months of, um, of COVID hitting the country in helping our clients reconfigure their, their go-to-market strategy and really focus in on um, how do they talk to existing customers um, versus how do they talk to prospects. So uh, a lot of time spent there. Um, that lasted probably through mid-May to the end of May. Um, and those companies that we work with, both on the prospect side as, as well as uh, existing customers of ours, that those co companies that were understood this was going to be in for the long haul, they started to shift back to, well, we're going to continue to grow our business. We'll be prudent in how we spend the money, but we are going to grow. So um, that's when we saw things start to open up again and, and um, you know, it lent itself uh, quite well to what we do with our clients. Rob decided to, at some point through a conversation we had, to start keeping track of any deal that we were working on that got either pushed or canceled, and he, yeah. he tracked that in a little spreadsheet. Here, you, yeah. you, you've held on to it? Look at you. You've yeah. held on to that. I and and uh, I want to come back to that question. You're seeing, you know, you, you've been here, like I said, several years. You're seeing your performance and your team's performance grow every single year. And then you get, you know, hit with this baseball bat or whatever it is you want to call it in Q2. How did you help the team maintain their confidence when things were things were slipping and sliding? 
uh, you know, I think there was a couple things. One it certainly was the, we were starting to take into the marketplace, our D3 methodology um, and working with our clients around that. Um, and if you haven't um, listened to, there's several um, demand gen radio episodes around D3 and, and how that uh, impacts B2B marketing. But that was, that was one thing um, that we started to um, expand out into our client base and, and prospects and going over that. Um, and we can peel that back a little bit. I think one of the things that, that also um, uh, helped us quite a bit in, in 2020 was we brought on Carlos Hidalgo as our chief strategy officer. And he certainly was instrumental in uh, the development of the D3 methodology and, and uh, bringing that into the marketplace. Um, so I think, you know, I'm not the kind of uh, person that panics. I thought we were going to work our way through it. We may have to change what we did as a, as a team um, to reach our objectives, but um, that's okay. We're, we're in the business of building solutions and there isn't one solution that looks the same as another. So we approached it the same way. So one, definitely one of the things that I admire about you, Rob, having worked with you now for so long, is that you don't panic, and you're you're pretty steady, Eddie. You know, you you don't have emotional swings, sky's never falling, and you also don't go to the other uh, side. That that when we close deals, you know, million dollar deals, multi million dollar deals, you don't. Uh, you're the same guy. You show up the same way every day, and and I li- and I like that about you. Um, what, very, what, what do I tell the team, Dave? You know, enjoy it today. Yeah. Tomorrow, today, what have you done for me lately? <laughs> yeah. The team, yeah. Lo- the team loves you. Let's uh, talk about the D3 methodology. For those of you guys who are either just tuning into Demand Gen Radio because you missed those episodes earlier this year, go back and grab the episodes that I did with Carlos Adago on the D3 methodology. We'll put some links in the show notes. If you're on YouTube, we'll we'll put it in the comments or the uh, notes below. If you're on the uh, listen to this on your podcast app, just check the show notes and we'll put some links in there so you guys can learn about the D3 methodology. We introduced this in the beginning of the year and what we felt you all needed was, we don't call it a blueprint, we don't call it a framework, we do call it a methodology, but basically a way to identify all of the key initiatives that you need to do for high performance sales and marketing, for demand generation. And when we say demand generation, we don't mean just net new. Demand generation means bringing in new business, absolutely, but it means your install base. And as you heard Rob say, in a year when people had to pivot, make some changes, focusing on maintaining the lifetime value of their customers became an essential priority. The D3 methodology helps you. It gets its name D3 because it has three important uh, terms that begin with the letter D, demand creation, demand management, and demand expansion. That's where it gets its name D3. And under each one of those areas are all the key elements for you to focus on things that you need to do and tackle to become, like I say, a high performance sales and marketing team. We practice what we preach here and we develop this methodology. So watch the YouTube video that is linked below and grab some of the materials that we have created and we have a lot more coming for you. But this methodology is what Rob and his team used to help clients identify what the initiatives were. And you mentioned Carlos. If you guys don't know Carlos Hidalgo, um, you've been like myself uh, over two decades in uh, doing 
digital marketing and digital transformation. We brought him onto the team beginning of this year or last year now, beginning of 2020. And so he works with clients uh, or clients to be in terms of helping them roadmap and identify those key initiatives. And I highly recommend that if you guys are thinking, what do I do next? How do I grow my business? What are the key priorities we need to do in marketing operations or demand generation, marketing leadership? Reach out to us. You can either drop an email at info at demandgen.com or go to the website and have Rob book an appointment with you and Carlos. Because whether you work with us or not, getting Carlos's ideas, suggestions, uh, being a sounding board to you will really, really help you. We certainly don't mind doing it uh, with any of you who, who need that sounding board and want to talk to people that have helped hundreds of companies do it. Hey, if you become a client, great. But we also really... Um, also really just here to help you. And maybe you're not at the right company to work with us or at the right time, but we'd love for you to develop a relationship with Carlos. He's really phenomenal in uh, in helping our clients, but but mainly he focuses on folks like you that are not working with us to help you sort out what you need to do. Uh, let's let's unpack a couple of those conversations. You, you know, whether you want to name my name, you, you, you brought in some new clients this year, enterprise clients, mid-market clients, Talk about the conversations. What was on the mind of marketers these years? What were some of those key initiatives that we identified and, and are focusing on helping people with? Yeah, I think first and foremost, what uh, this methodology helped was, you know, it was it was a chaotic time um, for for all businesses, and you know, some were hurt more than others. But um, you know, we were able to take this methodology and take, I like to say, take the complexity out of complex. And at a time when, when it was very chaotic for these, for, for our clients, this was a, a, a methodology where we could look at it and um, whether it was with existing clients or prospects, and we could use this and say, here's where you're, you're doing well. Here's where the gaps are. Here's how we're going to prioritize that. And I think it almost gave a, a level of comfort to clients to say, okay, I know which way I need to go now. And it wasn't, it wasn't demand gen saying, you know, try, it wasn't a big sales pitch. It was, here's the landscape and let's just talk about where you are and, and where you need to go. So, you know, from, from our friends over in the UK with Go Cardless, who, uh, we're one of the initial uh, clients of ours that embrace this, um, and we're experiencing uh, prior to prior to COVID explosive growth. Um, so they had a different issue, right? They their issue was we're growing so quickly, we need some we need some governance around that growth. So D three worked really well with them, and and some of our other clients, it's you know I liken it to you've got a you've got a car that. Now economic times are bad and you've decided to hang on to that car for a while rather than buy a new one, but you need to, you need to tune it up. You need to uh, do some things cosmetically to it. You need to do some things to uh, increase the performance. So those clients were a little different, right? They were looking at different areas of D3, whether it was top of funnel with demand creation, or like I said, a lot of our, our uh, clients were pivoting with um, demand expansion and, and, understanding the difference between how you talk to a prospect versus how you talk to somebody that's already a client of yours. And, you know, I, I do have a pet peeve uh, about that. I, I'm a, a customer of a subscription radio service that um, sounds like F FM, but it's one of those letters is different. And I have, 
I have four different subscriptions with them, and they continue to send me uh, emails about uh, new buyer uh, offers. So, you know, you're going to talk to your buyers differently than you're going to talk to your clients, and, and that was an area of focus. So, um, long-winded way of saying that different clients and different prospects use this methodology differently based on their where they are in the in the whole cycle. You are fortunate that I mean it's not easy to sell demand gen because you know we don't have something to show necessarily and tell right. We're not a product company. Uh, we provide services to people and help them grow their business through the use and adoption of technology. And your menu of things that you can help clients with is pretty extensive. This right. year, let's hit on a few of them. One, you came to the services team and you said, clients are really shorthanded with Marketo resources and Eloqua resources and Pardot resources. You said, can we create a service that's a managed services where we provide them, the people, to do those things for them? And I like that you came and said, I need something new on the menu because this is what the market wants and we and we did that. Uh, talk to me a little bit about like why people are choosing to outsource more of that responsibility or or create a combination of some internal resources and leveraging the team. What did you see there? I think that, you know, the overriding theme on that was that they had, even if they did have an admin, the admin also had other things that they were doing to, for, during their normal course of their day. Um, and so, you know, we offered the opportunity to augment what that um, person already on their staff did and take some of those tasks and uh, do them on an ongoing basis. That was one side of the pendulum. The other side was, um, you know, we've, we've had Marketo or Eloqua or whatever the, the platform, MA platform they had. We've had it for a while. We keep turning over resources. Um, we don't have any consistency on that. And we need somebody to come in and provide that consistency. So um, that's where our admin services came in and played a, played a big role. Let's talk about data, Data MD, another service that we launched not not quite this year. We we launched it at the mid to later part of 2019, but we saw a real uptick in the Data MD service, which delightfully surprised me because I always get a little head scratchy, Rob, why people don't spend more time cleaning up their database, deduplicating the database, enriching the database, and getting it really ready. Uh, I, I know ABM has become such a hot initiative, we should come back, that more and more companies are really dependent, but we saw campaign attribution, ABM, and a number of other factors really create a higher priority for data. Were there other factors that you think that led to data making the higher priority initiatives list and, and us providing services to our clients there? Well, I'm going to take a contrarian um, point of view on Ooh. that. And, uh, you know, what I saw, and, and now I'm going back, you know, maybe six months in the, in the middle of the year, um, when clients were looking to cut back on spending, interestingly enough, one of the first areas that they looked at was data, um, which, again, to your point, it was a head scratcher. Um, but for whatever reason, um, data didn't provide the, you know, the level of importance that we, we think it does. Um, and so we saw people kind of get out of the managing and, and maintaining the, the, the overall hygiene of their data. 
that did start to swing back as the marketplace started to come back towards the end of the year. But there was a period of time that um, we were not having those conversations about data, which was interesting. Mm -hmm. Then there was uh, analytics. That became a super high priority. The work that we did with Improvada. Uh, for those of you guys, if you haven't listened to the podcast that I did with Naomi Marr, yes, she is now at Dotto. So be sure to listen to that episode. I think it's out by now. If not, it will be out shortly after this episode with Rob and I. But we did some amazing work with her. Rick Zagor on our team and the other data and analytics experts helped build her one view of the truth, an exceptional dashboard. And it's really nice to see very consistently, Rob, that clients are coming to you and the team and saying, look, one of the things I want your help with is give me that one view of the truth. Give me a dashboard where I can uh, tell what's working and what's not and, and communicate, you know, uh, the inventory that I have from a demand perspective and, and the revenue and pipeline influence that marketing is is having, uh, that I don't expect to go away anytime soon. But it's been really great to see that as a higher priority. And interestingly enough, the I'm going to say, quote, the buyer for that, the person that you're talking to, we're seeing them way more uh, outside of that like traditional demand gen head. This is a revenue operations person or marketing operations person. Uh, do do most of the clients that you're talking to these days have a explicit marketing operations function? Um, I would say, yeah, probably we're trending towards the majority part. Um, but um, that wasn't the case this time last year. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, you know, one of the reasons why we developed D3 was, you know, we were going into meetings where it wasn't just marketing anymore. It wasn't marketing ops anymore. It was, it was IT, it was revenue, uh, folks connected to revenue, whether it was revenue ops or, or CROs or, uh, all the way up to CEOs. And so, you know, it became a, a situation where everybody is focused on, um, that R word revenue. So the, the R word, everybody, everybody, everybody has is. to be, uh, the R word. Let's talk about the ABM word or acronym for that matter. Uh, you know, guys, we, we practice what we preach here and yeah. so many of our clients these days are working with us. Yes. On lead management methodologies that we implement for them, scoring, nurturing, demand funnel, operationalizing that, but all of our mature clients that have got the table stakes in place are definitely moving to adding ABM, not a switch, not moving away from, but adding ABM we did as well. And our, our scope of work has gone to helping clients, as you know, Rob, with the strategy of ABM, how to bring around change management initiative from a go-to-market perspective, has helped in developing the targeting, uh, knowing which accounts to go after. That's both a strategy and technology initiative. Uh, we are helping them with enablement. Let's talk about our own enablement in just a little bit. Enablement meaning, uh, or I'm sorry, engagement. Uh, engagement in terms of how should you go after these target accounts between sales, marketing, SDR team, channels, uh, et cetera. We are helping them with activating their ABM initiatives, deploying technologies, integrating technologies, uh, the CRM work, the marketing automation work, uh, platforms like Demandbase or now called Demandbase One, formerly Engageo, uh, other data and analytics platforms, bringing all these tool sets together so that you operate a little bit more like the CIA, like really precision-based marketing than, than you know casting a very wide uh, net. 
when you, Rob, are engaging with folks, you, Carlos, the rest of the team talking with, where would you say the knowledge level on ABM is today between like completely very novice level, like I really have nowhere, I don't know where to start, to I know what I need to do, I just need helping hands to do it for me. Where are we on that spectrum? I think we're we're certainly not to the, I've got this wired, um, you know, just help me help me put it together. I think that the the change I've seen in the last year is that companies are have understood that ABM is not a um, all encompassing strategy. It's part of a strategy, and I think that's kind of enabled them to um, you know get started on on using ABM as a as a tactic, if you will, as a channel. Um, the other thing that I've noticed is that um, the sales and marketing organizations are coming together more now around uh, ABM, um, whether it's it's ABM that's bringing sales and marketing together or sales and marketing is bringing ABM together. I'm not sure how that works. I think here it was probably, um, you know, the latter. But um, those are the changes that I, I see. I, I'm now starting to see some results. You know, a, ABM is not, is not an initiative that you undertake and, Within three months, you're going to, you know, um, have it completely dialed in. It does take some time, and some organizations are willing to make that commitment. As we like to say, it's a journey, um, and and some still need to get to that point. Let's uh, talk internally. Changes that we brought about in our own organization. Reason I want to talk with you guys about that is because. Uh, you know, one of the reasons that demand gen has been growing, like I said earlier, is we practice what we preach. And because we implement these things for ourselves, what's interesting is for those of you that work with us or maybe one day work with us, you work with our services team. You work with the people that have done this for hundreds of companies. When we, our sales marketing team, is implementing our systems and methodologies, we're doing it with our own internal marketing and sales team. Now, yeah, they have the know-how from the services team, uh, but you know, you're, you're doing it yourself and you learn things about that. Let's, let's start off with this move to lightning right? The, the change from the classic UI of Lightning, which we've been using forever for 13 years, uh, to the formal move to Lightning. I remember you sharing with me about, you know, it's, it's kind of the same and it just looks different. But what was it, what was your experience when you heard from marketing and operations like, hey, we're going to be moving to Lightning. Let's be transparent what your, what your thoughts as a sales leader were about that. Uh, it wasn't, uh, my first response was not positive. Mm-hmm. Let's just say that, um, you know, it's, uh, you develop a muscle memory. Um, we've used classic, as you said, for years and years and years. And so, you know, my team goes, goes into the, uh, uh, and turns on their computer in the morning and gets into Salesforce and we knew where to go. We, we knew which buttons to click. We knew which fields to go to. We, we knew all of that. Um, then you switch over to lightning and it does take some time and it's like anything else that's new. You have to practice it. Um, and I will, I will readily admit I'm still in that practice mode. Um, it's been a matter of weeks that I've been using lightning and, um, uh, you know, it's getting easier every day, but it's something that you, you, you know, you have to embrace. And if you are doing the conversion from classic to lightning, I would, uh, again, suggest, uh, particularly on the sales side, you know, give yourself a month if you have that luxury and just start to wean off of classic and get used to going in and 
you know, setting up your leads and, and your opportunities and all the things that you, you typically would have done in classic and just learn where, where all that is in lightning. Talk about, let's talk about how significant that is. And let's talk about advice for you guys on this program and what you need to do whenever you're bringing about UI changes and systems. Rob, you strike me. I'm going to profile you. We've never had this conversation. But I'm going to profile you a little bit if that's okay. You strike me as the kind of guy. <laughs> you have no choice. I'm just going to go for it. We're, we're on air. You strike me as the kind of guy who puts his stuff in the same place every day at home. It's not just because you wear collar stays and you have those nice glasses that you never misplace. And when we've gone boating together, you know where the boat keys are and you know how everything gets unpacked and, and reloaded. Am I right that you're that you're very um, do things the same way and consistently? Would you say that's a fair? I think, yeah, I think you know me well. OK, I do. And you even park in the same spot pretty much every day here at the office. Do you know how many times I've wanted to actually paint your name, but I was worried that building management would would come and be upset with me. They're, they're probably cool with that. Okay. All right. We'll do that. Uh, some people are not like you. Yours truly. I have to work very hard to put my wallet and keys uh, in the same place. And one of the things that my wife has said to me is, do you know how much time you would save yourself in the morning if you just knew exactly where your stuff was every single day? So smart. So yeah. I've been better at that. And the reason I bring up funny little stories about these personas is if you know how to do something in Salesforce and you do it the same way every single time and you have to take time to learn where stuff is, it inhibits sales's productivity. And nothing frustrates a salesperson more than stuff moving, changing that limits their productivity or gets in the way of moving an opportunity along. So my advice to all of you guys, whether you're rolling out Lightning, which I think most of you are making the migration to or have, or you're rolling out new technology, please marketing, sit with sales and watch them use these systems and just you know shadow them so that you learn how they use these technologies because when you bring it out, new stuff to them in marketing operations, you need to actually say, this is how you do it today. This is how you're going to do it. They may not be happy about it, but they, they'll get used to it. But you really need to walk in their shoes. Case in point, you know our lead management views. You, you use one every day. You have our, our MQL lead management view. In classic, for whatever reasons, the way Salesforce designed it, if you actually have rows in Salesforce classic of contact names, lead names, and you click on them, it up comes the lead record. But in Lightning, it doesn't do that unless you actually use a name field instead of a first and last name. Now, you would never know that as a developer uh, unless you actually really know the systems that well. But to a salesperson, for them not to actually look at a list of scored and ranked leads and go, how the heck do I dive into this contact record? That's incredibly frustrating, just mind-blowing that it's not that simple. And so uh, you guys yeah, really... I, I guarantee you that when they when the the guys that were developing that said, I'm going to put this little checkbox off here to the far right. And it will be intuitive that you're going to check that box and it's going to bring up what you want to see. I guarantee you, they didn't talk to a salesperson about that. Yeah. It's not intuitive. My, uh, my mother-in-law, Jackie and father-in-law, Danny, will never listen to this podcast because I don't think they've ever listened to a podcast. But if they do, but if they do, they should know that we care about them because they have iPhone sixes. And that sounds like we don't care about them because that's really old. But the iPhone six has a button on the bottom 
And every iPhone after that did away with that button. And just the learning curve that so many of us have gone through to do that underscores it. So the takeaway here is, guys, if you're upgrading your technologies, if you're migrating from system to system, make sure that you really understand how people did things and give them training in the context of this is how you do it, this is how you will do it, create great documentation. We do this for our clients. You guys should do this, uh, no doubt. Let's talk about our sales and marketing meetings. We do this every two weeks. We have a sales and marketing meeting. I wish it was called the Demand Gen meeting because that would be a, a nod back to how we came up with the name Demand Gen way back in 2003, Demand. 2004. Yeah. Uh, Sometimes we do training where we actually have Sabrina, Justin, and the crew give you guys training on new things that they've rolled out or changes that they've made. Sometimes we talk about revisit our lead scoring model and see how that's working. We talk about lead management processes, yeah, the move to lightning, all of that stuff. What in 2021, if you were giving advice to marketers uh, around the agendas for these meetings and how they can be useful and purposeful for sales, Give me a couple thoughts from you on how marketing should be meeting with sales on a regular basis and what what they value, what you guys value most from those those meetings. Yeah, the, uh, the two things here. One, um, you know, fortunately, I have a great relationship with with Tiffany, who runs our marketing team. Um, and so we, we talk freely about what works and what doesn't work. And I think as as you know, from my point of view, um, we we stayed with kind of a pattern on on the in the meetings every other week, and we would go through the same subject matter um, uh, during the hour. And I felt that was getting a little stale. And I think yeah, you know, I talked to Tiff, and I think Dave, you may have been part of that conversation too. And we said, you know, I don't feel like my team's getting what they need out of it, and we need to change this up. And Tiffany's like, yeah, I don't feel like my team isn't either. So. Point number one is make sure that that you're communicating with whether you're on the marketing side, communicate with your sales leadership and, and likewise sales to marketing. Um, and so what we have done for 2021 is we have um, every other week, we're going to do almost kind of little mini case studies. And we're going to bring up everything from a MQL to a lead that's uh, been sales accepted and qualified. And it's in the, it's in the, um, the funnel currently, and then we're going to look at um, a, an opportunity that maybe either we we close one or one that we close loss. Mm -hmm. We're going to dissect those, and I, you know, I'm a big believer that that we're going to learn more as we talk through this. And there's no agenda around the you know how we discuss MQLs. Let the salespeople ask questions. Um, let the marketing folks ask questions, and let's dive in and figure out. Is there a better way, maybe, for us to to classify uh, a lead as an MQL? Uh, same thing with SALs and, and SQLs in in our world. Um, so um, I I think 2021 for us is going to be less rigid uh, and more um, more training or learning, uh, mm -hmm. if you will, in in those two in those meetings every other week. Awesome. I'm I'm glad you guys. It's uh it's so collaborative, and it's it's a view of one team. Uh, right. You guys are trying to drive growth. I and I don't know if I brought this up in another podcast, but I certainly had another discussion. Oh, I was telling you about my conversation with Naomi, Naomi Marr. She says, I know Rob. I was telling him, I was telling her about your bell. And she it's, goes, I, yeah. I, I know where you stand. I built Rob this bell. I wish you guys could see it. It's beautiful. And I put it in his office and he rings a bell every time we bring on a new client. She says, 
well, maybe that should be in the hallway in some central area because the bell symbolizes the work that alliances and marketing and sales does together. And it's great advice, except that bell is Rob's bell and that will be in there. But maybe we can come up with some horns, some lights on the building. But by the way, Rob, talking about lights on the building, um, you see those lights behind you? Turn around, check those out. Yeah, no, look look what I can do, Rob. So, you know, I, I don't know if I'm going to win CEO of the year for doing this. Look, I adjust the lighting, get that right. But I just, sometimes I just show up in Rob's office and I install stuff. And I thought that his whiteboard would look really cool with some LED lighting. And he really liked it until he realized that I had control on my iPhone of his lighting. And I, I try not to do that during meetings. Uh, I think I've been pretty good about that. Right. But yeah, for those of you watching on YouTube and, and you think it may be a little creepy, yes. It's creepy? It could be. Could okay. Be. It's a little it's a little weird. Love your elf, by the way, on the whiteboard. Nice job. Did you draw that yourself? Uh, no, that's a contribution from our marketing department. Oh, you, you know, leave it to marketing to do the arts and crafts stuff really, really well. And that is that's the elf on the shelf that's fallen off the shelf. I do that. Boy, marketing has changed, evolved, not changed, evolved from the arts and craft to the science marketing. Well, Rob, I want to say once again, congratulations uh, to you uh, as a CEO to, to see year after year you growing the business. Rob sets his own goal, by the way. I don't even give him a goal. He, you know, he's he's an adult. He knows what to do. And he doubled his goal once again for next year. He's he's a glutton for punishment. Uh, so I will, I will have one uh, indirect call to action or direct call to action. If you have not talked to Rob and Carlos, you guys owe it to yourself to just have a conversation with them about what you're doing there. Learn the D3 methodology. If you don't want to talk to them, look in the show notes, go to our resources area, click those links, learn the D3 methodology. You guys owe it to yourself to, to get this recipe for how to do high performance marketing. And if you have questions about it, want to talk to these guys, they're happy to do it. And if you become a client with DemandGen in the future, phenomenal. And for those of you that became clients in 2020, thank you so much. For those of you that have been with us and many, many clients, three years, five years, 10 years, at Born throughout entire journey, uh, we love serving serving you guys. And and thank you, Rob, for making those, you're like, you're like a professional matchmaker, Rob. That's what you do. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Thanks, Dave. Team effort, alliances, marketing, delivery team, sales team, everybody had a, had a part in uh, in our success. And it, it was a difficult year, uh, no doubt about that, but very proud of everybody and, and what they were able to accomplish. Yeah, super great. All right, you guys, happy, I don't know what to say, 200 episodes. I never thought I'd create 200 sessions, 200 conversations with folks like you. I hope you guys are enjoying the podcast as much as I do. It's always, a, it's just such an enjoyable way for me to have intimate conversations like these and bring you guys uh, these conversations from marketing leaders, from practitioners like yourself, from salespeople. We even had a couple SDRs this past year to kind of profile what really a high performance SDR uh, acts and uh, acts like. And, and so go if you didn't listen to the episode with Anna Bender and Vincent. Uh, Great episodes. I would love to hear from you guys. I'm on LinkedIn. Every single day I check in, check in with you guys. If you have suggestions for content that you would like us to cover, all you have to do is ask. If it makes sense for the show, we will put it on, and I will thank you very much for doing that. Uh, if you're enjoying the program, let us know. And if you are listening to this and you haven't yet 
checked us out on YouTube. That was one of our own new marketing initiatives for this year. We wanted to do more show and tell because this is kind of listen. So please go to demandgen.tv, check out the YouTube channel. You click the subscribe button. That way you'll get uh, notified of new episodes. And we make the episodes every single week on YouTube as well as on Demand Gen Radio. That's going to do it for this one. We will catch you guys on the next episode. Rob, see you around the corner. Happy New Year. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Demand Gen Radio, bringing you the top industry experts, thought leaders, authors, marketing technology firms, and senior marketing leaders from around the world to teach you the methods and technologies for high-performance marketing.